0: Welcome to another episode of High Stakes with Steve Rosenberg, and this is where we talk about real life, real business, and real situations. You know, as entrepreneurs, sometimes, not always, but sometimes, we tend to get busy being busy, being caught up in day-to-day drama of what we do in our life and in our work, and we sometimes forget that the whole reason we're doing what we're doing is to actually make money and to actually do what's called turning a profit. And I have a guest today who's going to talk specifically on that because not only does he know that, but he actually wrote a book specifically on this subject. So I'd like to welcome David. Thanks so much for being here today, man.
1: Oh, thanks for having me, Stephen. It's absolute pleasure to be on your podcast.
0: So uh, let's just get into it for people so that they know David Richter. Uh, David, First of all, tell everyone just quick synopsis of who you are, what you do, and, and why you're doing this.
1: So a quick synopsis. I am a real estate investor by background. I've been investing since 2012. And I did a few years ago, sold all the real estate investments I had to start another business called Simple CFO Solutions that helps with fractional CFOs or part-time CFOs to be on small business teams to be able to help them grow their finances and grow their bottom line, their net profit, by having someone who knows what the heck they're talking about and how to talk with the investor or business owner from that side. So that's what I'm doing now. And I'm a big fan of Profit First, which is a cash flow methodology and system and wrote a book, Profit First for Real Estate Investing to let people know that you don't have to live deal to deal and you don't have to be in that rat race as an entrepreneur. And like you said, Stephen, making sure that they actually turn a profit at, you know, like on every deal and throughout the year as well, too.
0: So let me ask you this. You, you you said something. I think it's important. When you said you sold your real estate, was that by design to get to the next level or was it, hey, I'm just done with all this bullshit and I, I need to do something else. Like, what was the reason you did it?
1: So we moved across the country. That okay. was one of the big reasons. And at that time, I had the portfolio to where I sold it and could move anywhere and live anywhere we wanted to. And We chose the East coast at that time, be a little bit closer to family. We've since even moved since then as well, but that was one of the reasons too. So I had some cash and thought, okay, I wanna start a business as well. And so I had kind of that cushion there to be able to go and start another venture as well too. So there was a lot of factors into into, uh, the real estate investing and the uh, pulling the plug and basically selling the investments I had.
0: So from a business perspective, why do people fail in your opinion and, and whether this is investing or anything i mean we could label this business 101 mistake, yeah. but why do they fail from a profit standpoint from what you've learned
1: i think because culture especially where we are you know like in america or whatnot glorifies the hustle to grind yeah. reinvesting every dollar back into your business and like basically be you being on fumes we look at businesses like snapchat facebook you know instagram you know like all these big tech companies tesla that you know had funding or has you know the venture capital and it's like oh you know like they this is how they did they were unprofitable for so long and then years down the road they're, they're profitable and they're making billions of dollars and it's like we can't equate big business with small business and we hear a lot of the the philosophies of people who are in a totally different realm than where we are so we're fed a lot of those False beliefs or beliefs that we shouldn't have until we've reached a certain level. Or they're feeding us some, you know, like, or it's accountants, bookkeepers who say, you know, like, make sure you're managing your expenses, making sure, you know, you're paying all your bills on time. And no one's telling the entrepreneur, like, hey, put your oxygen mask on first. You know, make sure that you are taken care of, that the business is healthy, that you're not just that you're reinvesting at the sake of you losing your sanity and you losing your mind and reinvesting so with that way you don't have any profit at the end of the day. Not that I don't want you to reinvest. I just want you to do it in a smart manner. you know. Like, and I think that's why a lot of businesses fail because they don't know how to manage the cash. They've never been taught or they're being fed those false beliefs or wrong beliefs or bad habits or those types of things. And you know, then they just take it hook, line and sinker and then run with it. And then they wonder why, Okay, I'm doing a, I've made a bunch of money. Where is it all in my bank account? You know, like why? And that's why they go out of business.
0: Well, and I think also you mentioned something earlier when you talk about maybe, you know, a Snapchat or Google or one of these other companies. Yeah. That was probably part of their plan. Like that, the Mm -hmm. plan was to go negative in the dip of the forecasting of revenue People that go negative in their cash flow, it's because they don't know what they're doing. There's a oh, difference. Right. It's like they're going, well, they didn't make money, but it's like, yeah, that was their plan. Your plan is just to lose money until you go out of business. Like that's, which is not a plan. And then I think it's, it's, you, obviously, there's, you know, you can find a book on anything, right? And so yeah. you've got one book, leaders, leaders eat last. You've got yeah. another book, you know, profit first, right? So you've got these other. So you're going, okay, which one? is the right one because everybody has a different opinion, but I think any successful business person that I've ever met, you know, if you don't have a business plan and you don't have a successful model to model your business after, they would all say that you're a moron for even starting a business, which we all know, and, and I was one of these people in the beginning is, I started a business because I thought I created a better widget because I thought I could do something better. That has nothing to do with being a successful business. No. And, and business is all about numbers, right? I mean, what, what yeah. is your perception on trying to talk numbers with a business person and they tell you that that's not why they do it? I just love the process. I'm like, that could be the stupidest thing I've heard someone say. I love the process. I'm like, yeah, but you have to love the money. The profit is not a bad word. And I think a lot of people have this consumption like, well, if I'm making a profit, I'm not reinvesting it in the company. But as you clearly said, that's the wrong way to look at it.
1: Right. Right profit and having that in your business. That's why we start the business. You want a profit. You know why you can hire people and bring them on board because you have a profit. You've created enough value in the market now to bring on people. So it's like, even though that becomes now your next investment or expense, you had that extra cash or that extra profitability to go out and hire the person. So it's like, you're going to need profit at every stage. Especially as a small business owner, unless you are, of course, a venture capital company or whatnot. But most of us have our own, you know, pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps. And we're the ones out there making sure that it happens. When it's at the beginning, it's usually us, maybe a business partner, maybe an admin type person. But a lot of the times it's like you said, Oh, I've created a better widget and you know, or whatever. And they start making the money. And they're like, okay, you know, but I've heard I need other people or I need systems and I need these other, you know, like things, those shiny objects to put in my business. Not saying that they're all bad, but that's where a lot of people think that I don't need the profit until maybe a few years down the road. And I feel not. I feel I know that creates bad habits from day one. Of if you're not profitable today, then you won't build profitability in when you've 10x your business. Uh, I love what Keith Cunningham says in his books is if you scale cancer, the tumor grows, you know, not you know, not the treatments. So that's where you have to make sure as you're as if you're a business owner that you're putting that profitability in place. And of course, if you're gonna if you're going to grow your business, the profitability percentage might go down. But like Stephen, like you said, that might be a plan. A part of your plan as you go along is like sometimes it might be a little bit less, but we're still gonna have that cushion. We're still gonna have the profitability. And that's where like a lot of people in my world, because I come, you know, a lot of the uh, mastermind groups I'm a part of, they love to give, and they've got the giving, you know, nature and that that culture. And I love that. But if you're not giving when you're making $100 or $1,000 or 100000 who says you're going to like make all this money and make a million, a billion dollars, and then you're going to give a whole bunch of money then, you know, like you're waiting for that someday to give. It's the same thing with your profit. You need to make sure you're building in profit now to your small business. So then when you become, you know, smaller, smaller bigger, bigger, you know, and then you're growing and growing and growing then you're building profit in at every step of the way. So I feel like that's one of the big mindsets that will help people get over that hump of, you know, like, why do we need the profit? Or like, I just want to reinvest everything back into the business.
0: Yeah, and you know, it's funny that they say that's why you tithe the first 10% or whatever percent right. of money, you, because the last 10% is never there. And just so, on. It's, yeah, it's, it's very similar. And that was- that was back in the farming days when you you'd basically take the 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 feed or the hay or whatever it was the first because the last was ruined by water or whatever and yeah. you never you never had it, um, and you know it's funny you talk about like the the forecast when I had my company and we would go and expand into new cities we would forecast the dip and so w- if you just looked at the numbers somebody would come in and say like man you guys are losing fifty thousand a month in this city and we're like yeah that's planned and hmm. people would say like why is that planned we're like the numbers. Now, if I just walked in off the street and said, you guys are going to be out of money. Your runway is nine months and you're done. Yeah. Look at it. We know the the dip and then we're going to come back up as long as it's forecasted. And we knew what we were doing. We were able to forecast that dip and it, you know, it makes you sleep better at night going, okay, this is part of the plan. And that's what I think a lot of people need to understand losing money in your business. If it's part of the plan for expansion and you're hitting your numbers to hit the forecast growth is okay. It's just when you don't have a plan is where it fails. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's, it's having that plan. That's where a lot of business owners, when they first start in, what what you said was great. You know, they, they think they have a better widget or, you know, they, they, like in the e-myth, you know, the pie, they're the pie maker. They make the best pies ever. That's a whole different animal than being a great business owner and knowing how to, to be the skill of a CEO. And so a lot of people get into this and they don't even know the questions to ask on the financial side of how to be profitable or what to do with the money once it comes in, because they're good at making the pies and, or doing the deals in real estate or doing the widget, making the widget, selling the widget. But then what do you do with the money once it comes in? And that's usually a question. The business owner has to go outside to ask about and say, what the heck do I do? Or they get into the situation where they're running out of cash. And then it's like nine one one emergency, you know, like, what do I do now?
0: Yeah, and, you know, monetization, look, at the end of the day, you have to learn how to monetize your company by sales mm-hmm. sales and marketing to bring that inbound in. Well, let me ask you this. If you were a new business owner, yeah. and I think I know the answer, but I'm going to have you answer it since you're the, the expert here. Um, When should you plan for profitability? Like, when do you plan? Because some people say, like, oh, I don't want to take any money out of the business. I want to leave it in for six months, nine months. I want to cushion. What is your thought process on this when somebody's starting a business or buying real estate or whatever the case, when do they mentally plan that to actually happen?
1: So my stance is, and it might be unpopular and I don't care, is that from day one, that you have profitability built in. That's why I like the profit first system too. That's where I'm going to say, okay, day one, like what if I'm only making $100 on my rental? you know, or like whatever it might be, because you might have someone jump into real estate and they get in the passive cash flow game and they don't have a thousand units and that can cover, you know, all their expenses or whatnot. What I tell them is you're trying to get into the proper habits. That's what we're really going after. So can we get into the habits as soon as possible that are yeah. going to make you wealthy from day one? Basically, we're installing wealthy habits okay. inside of your business from day one. So that's why, even if it's 1%, Like at the beginning, you can't take, you know, 50% or 70%, you know, I I get that, but can we build in profitability, Mm -hmm. even if it's a very small percentage, just to get into that habit as we grow the company, and making profit, always a part of the plan that it's either in in an account that we're taking it out or whatever, so that we don't see it, but making sure that you have that built in, my opinion is from day one.
0: Well, and you know, it's funny, I'll, a quick story is when my business partner and I uh, were growing our company, we had a friend that he was a, in the financial uh, industry and he split off from the company that he had and he started his own company and he was taking out loans to pay himself. And I, I, hmm. I remember thinking to myself, like, that doesn't make sense to me. Like me and my business partner were like, that doesn't make sense. And he was like, it makes perfect sense because this is the plan and I'm going to pay myself a salary Mm, because I deserve that. And this is not, he didn't say I deserve it. He just said, that's part of the plan. Yeah. And and before my business partner and I, of course, we weren't making any money in our business at first. So we never took a draw and I'm thinking to myself, that's gotta be stupid. Well, it turns out it wasn't because he was conditioning his brain that he, his business needs to make a profit because that's why it's there. (laughs) And, And so, and again, he, he ended up scaling his company. He got, he borrowed the money from the banks and other places, I was under the impression if I borrow from the bank, I got to put everything into the business. So he had a different perception. He said, no, he said, I put the allocated amount. The rest is a salary to me because I need to survive. And I want, you know, it wasn't the destination. It was the journey. Yeah. And what I thought was interesting is this, He's like, look, this, this building of a business is a journey. You don't suffer for seven years to punch out at the end, sell your company and think you're in this exclusive club. He's like, it doesn't work that way. Like the journey is what you're on, and if you hate the journey, you're never going to build a business again because you're going. I don't want to starve for another seven years. So, is that kind of along the lines of what you're thinking?
1: Man, that that resonates a lot with me. Of you, may, we make decisions when we are when we are stressed, when we're constantly thinking about the money, when we're we've got that hanging over our head. We make bad decisions. We make decisions out of fear rather than our purpose. So, yeah, that's where, if you do that and put yourself in that situation where you are, like you said, seven years of just the grind for seven years and you're not paying yourself and it's like, you'll want, that's burnout over and over and over again for seven years. And it's like, how can we build that into where I don't feel that? Because you'll make better decisions. You'll make better hiring decisions. There's a whole thing that unlocks too. Like a lot of people preach abundance, but like want to pay their people as little as humanly possible, you know? And it's like, this is where. If you put yourself in that box, it's hard to break out of it for yourself of saying, I really am abundant, but I'm not, I'm running on fumes, you know, like I'm running on fumes. And that's where books like Robert Kiyosaki and the rich dad, poor dad, and other books like that, where he says, I used to pay myself first. And sometimes I'd have bill collectors calling me like because I wanted to, what you said, condition myself to be in that habit even during that time. And I'm, I'm not condoning not paying your bills, but that's where he was at that point of, I need to make sure that this is a part of, that I bake this in, not just to my business, but to my psyche, to my brain, to the way that I think as a business owner, because I need to act right now like that, the business owner who has a 10 million, a hundred million dollar business and like the actions that they'll take as well too, you know, like from day one of being that wealthy business owner and getting yourself paid what you, what you need to get paid at least at the beginning.
0: Well, and you know, it's funny talking about Kiyosaki. I remember one of the things I always remembered about his book is he always said he was not a best writing author. He was a best selling author and people would give him a hard time. And he's like, I I'm not, I've never said I was great in English. I never said I'm good at selling and I'm the best selling author. And I think that that's, again, that's part of the psyche that of it's, you know, I, when I was, being trained and learned and uh, tr- learning this model and mentored, uh, one of the, the, one of my coaches, and I don't know if he made it up or, you know, or, or, or he got it from someone else, but it's called, it was an act. It was a term and it was B B E times do equals have. And so that, that was e mm. times do equals have. Yep. He said, a lot of people ask, like, how do I have the life that I have? What do I have to do? to have your life. If I have to work 25 hours a day as an entrepreneur, I will do it. If I have to go seven years without eating or drinking or making any money to have your life, I will have it. And he said, Steve, the the problem, what they're missing is the first part of that equation. It's the B. You have to become someone different. And he said that the challenge is, most people are hundred thousand dollars CEOs trying to run a $10 million company. And they're Mm. not $10 million CEOs. And he said, the problem is, is the company will only grow, law of the lid, it'll only grow to the size and scale of your, you know, your ability. And he said, he goes, the problem is, is they're not the CEOs they want to be, and they're not becoming that person. They're equating hard work with success, and it has nothing to do with hard work. And the person you have to become is not the person you're going to be at a $100 million, $10 million company. He said, that's the problem.
1: Yeah, that's the huge problem. And that's why when you first start a business, like you need to have some of those wealthy habits baked in. So you have them from the beginning to when you are, you know, a million, five, 10 million, you know, like once you get to those points, because you want to build those in and it helps your growth path too, of being able to say, how do I, okay, who do I need to become and what do I need to do? So yeah, I, I'm a hundred percent on board with was that philosophy.
0: So let me ask you this. Let's let's put some practical terms here for people. Yeah, let's do it. Let's say let's say I'm just starting out whether I own a piece of real estate and I'm I'm a one-man show or I'm a you know I'm I'm a solopreneur and I, and I want to go yep. somewhere what are some actionable steps that people can do to actually get them to that destination? What do you have any tips of things they can start practicing to become that person and to create that successful business? model.
1: Yeah. So I'm going to take it from what I've written in profit first for real estate investing. The first two practical points. The first one is you need to know what you need, like be get soul searching here. Like, what do you need just to cover your monthly expenses to get you out of your rat race? You know, like to get you out of, you know, the cycle of just going deal to deal or living, you know, month to month paycheck to paycheck. What do you need that as long as you're covered with that? You don't really have to worry. Like, what is that number for you? That's just, to you know, cover you those expenses. Then sitting down and saying, and soul searching and say, what do I really want? Do I want to cash out at 4 million, 40 million, 4 billion? You know, like, what do I want to create? Because there's a lot of noise out there of growing, scaling, becoming the better business owner. And I'm just going to scale it as much as I can. It's like, what is that destination that you're going after? So it's really sitting down what we just talked about. This is kind of the B part. Who do I want to be? And really knowing first, who am I right now? Like how? what are my expenses right now? So I don't feel in the rat race. Then who do I want to become? What is that want number? So your need and want number. What do I need? And what do I really want? Because those are going to be guideposts along your way of setting up practical practical systems, like a profit first system. So then the other practical step for for anyone who wants to implement something right away to build healthy habits, profitable habits inside their business. One of the biggest mistakes that, not just real estate investors who I work with a lot, but entrepreneurs in general, they have one big bank account where all their income goes in, all their expenses go out, and they are just tossing a cash salad all the time. They don't know what's going on. Where's the money? You know, like toss it over here, toss it over there. You know, like put this fire out. The money will the money will take care of it. But it doesn't give them any clarity. It doesn't say this is what the money is for. Or what can I take out of here without bankrupting my business? You know, or like what isn't here? Should I save for taxes so I don't have to worry about taxes at the end of the year? So it's like that one big bank account creates a lot of anxiety And they don't even know like why they're having anxiety, being able to examine that. And usually it's because we don't know or have control over the money. I've seen, I've worked with so many business owners now that I know most people don't lose sleep at night just because they lose money. It's because they don't know where their money's going. So it's like having that one big bank account is really just, you know, giving people a lack of clarity and confidence in their business. So profit first is a lot like the envelope system that you might've heard Dave Ramsey's made that popular in you know recent years. And you've got, you know that has been around for a long time, the envelope, the cash envelope method. But literally for the business, it's opening up different bank accounts that have specific purposes in your business. And so I'm gonna tell you three of the ones that we recommend that every business owner, this is if you're a real estate investor or any type of entrepreneur can open up these three accounts because I call the first three accounts, the golden trio. Because I'm a huge, I love big movie epic sagas like Harry Potter, Star Wars, you know, all those big epic movies that have three main heroes like Luke Han Leia, always pushing the story forward for good, making sure that good wins in the end. Well, the business you're creating is your epic saga. It is your story. It is the thing that is going to last as a legacy. Whether that's a horror story or a horror film or if it's a great epic advent, you know, adventure. If it's, you know, Princess Bride versus, you know, Texas Chainsaw or you know, the Massacre. So it's like, what do we want to create? We want to create a business that has those three main heroes always pushing your story forward for good. So what are those three, that golden trio of accounts? It's a profit account, it's an owner's compensation account, and it's an owner's tax account to make sure that those are all for the benefit of the owner, meaning the profit account that I take out quarterly to either pay down debt that's just crippling me or to just take out and spend on what I want to because this is the reward of being a profitable business owner. You've got the owner's comp account, which is different, where that's for if you're working in the business as a cog in the wheel somewhere, you should be paid for what you're doing. And building that in. So the owner's comp is that where you get, you know, paid wait, weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, or whatnot, whether it's draws or W-2, it's that account to make sure that you're paid. That's where you would start filling up that bucket to make sure you have what you need on a consistent basis. That's when you know you're starting to exit your rat race. And then the third account, the owner's tax account is if you're in an active type of you know company where you it's not a, a passive rental portfolio that you can just appreciate the heck out of, you're probably going to have to pay taxes to Uncle Sam. So you got to make sure you've got a tax account that's set up to pay your taxes. Instead of it coming tax time and you saying, how much do I have my personal accounts to pay this off? Because now my business, you know because of the profits or whatever, I have this huge tax bill. What if you save that from your business throughout the year? So at the end of the the end of the tax year, you were able to say, hey, I've got that money set aside. I'm gonna send it off to you know the IRS and then I don't have to worry about it again. So that's what those three golden trio accounts are. But the whole point of that is to build a profitable habit of saying, when I get money in, I'm separating out my money into those different buckets to make sure that I am profitable, I can pay myself, and I don't have to worry about the taxes. So there's some practical steps that people can do just to put in some bank accounts and make sure that they, they've got clarity around where their cash goes.
0: Nice. Nice. I like that. Um, what's interesting, I don't know if you know this, but the brain always works in trilogies. So the fact that you have three things is good because it basically links up uh, what you're doing to what your brain is looking for. It's always looking for those three things in a row. Yep. Um, anyways, uh, question somebody starting a new business and you've got two options. You can bootstrap it, meaning you go with your own money and you figure it out and you, you know, bite, crawl, scratch, scream to get money or you borrow money, whether you borrow it from an institution, a friend, your grandma, uncle, don't care, but there's two ways. Yeah. Which way are you a fan of?
1: The way I did it was with my own money. So, I mean, I think I'm more of a fan of that. And from day one, I built in this, the system, the practical system that we just put right there. And honestly, I haven't had to worry. Have there been months that are lower than others? Have there been months that are higher than others? Yes. But from bootstrapping with a system like this in place, I know what's coming down the pipeline, building reserves. It's giving me peace of mind, but I'm I'm not against the other side of the fence too. If someone has an idea and they have a plan in place and they've got a system to manage the cash, that I don't think there's anything wrong on that side. But my personal preference, because of what I did, was to use the money that I had, you know, collected in the you know what I had done up until that point. To, to start, but I'm also a real estate investor too. So, you know, like when I did my first deal, I borrowed money, you know, to yeah. do my first deal. So uh-huh. I'm also, you know, so I can't say I'm not a fan of the other side.
0: Well, and I think the, you know, what I explain to people is when you're, when you're borrowing money again, from any, any source, that is a, pro- a propellant to speed things up. You know, mm-hmm. for example, yes. let's say you own a business. If, you know, typically uh, from the way I've learned is if you, if you have a, a company and you're marketing, you know, well, everybody should market if you own a business, but uh re- typically it's gonna be about nine percent of revenue. And if you're in growth mode, it could be as high as 25% of revenue. So mm-hmm. it just depends on how much money do you have in reserves to do this? And do you want, you know, are you gonna be anemic and do one percent of revenue and maybe not move the needle? And again, part of the forecast when we were doing our expansion in cities, we had borrowed some money. And so, you know, yes, it's kind of uncomfortable when you're borrowing people's money and you're losing and you're asking for more money, explaining and showing them. What was interesting, though, is that the people that we had borrowed the money from and some of the institutions, we'd show them the numbers and they're like, yeah, you guys are right on. Like you guys are. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself in my mind, I'm thinking like, holy shit, I can't believe they're giving us more money when we're showing them. We're all red. But they're like, it's part of the plan. Like as long as you keep hitting your numbers you guys are, you guys are fine. Like we see, we see the final dip. We see the forecast. We go from there. So I, I I just going back to what you said, I I built, we built our company originally bootstrapping it. And then we started getting into some lending and we realized that lending can be great. It's a propellant, but it's also, it's a weapon and it can be used as a, a source, but it can also hurt you if you're not prepared to do what it requires you to do to fulfill that. so I, I, you know, I like both. I think if you're bootstrapping, it's fine. It's just probably going to take longer and you may run out of funds at some point. If you don't have the right plan, same thing when you borrow money.
1: I think what we brought up before and what you specifically brought up is, are you ready to turbocharge it? Because if you're the hundred thousand dollar CEO and you want to go to a million or 10 million and you know, the funding's going to get you there faster. Are you ready for that on your journey? are you ready to level up to be that you know that level of ceo too because like you said you probably bootstrapped and then saw like i could do a whole lot more and because now you're you're getting the ceo muscles working and you're like now i'm pumping the iron and now i understand and i'm like i you become that million dollar CEO and you're like at $250,000 in revenue. And you're like, I could really turbocharge this if I infuse it with cash. And I know exactly what to do with it, where to spend it, who to, you know, who to bring on the team. I think that's the difference as well too, because some people just say, I have a great idea, you know, like let's throw funding at it. And then it's like, Oh shoot, I'm not ready for a million dollar business yet because they haven't been on that journey. So I think that plays into it. Like we talked about too uh, with a lot of people and, you know, kind of their journeys as well.
0: You know, it's funny. I was just uh, talking to a real estate investor and we were talking about the differences of private money versus getting them conventionally. And yep. I said, what, what's your take on private money? And uh, she said, you know, it makes me a little nervous to borrow money. And I said, why? She goes, well, you know, if I lose their money, it could affect my reputation. And I sat there for a second. And I thought, well, first of all, I don't think you're as popular as you think, you know, jo- jokingly, but serious. Like, you know, if you have this great reputation why, why would you borrow money? It's, it, is it? Are you doing something unethical and unmoral if you are borrowing money knowing that you are going to lose money for the bank? You're still borrowing it. You still have a, a, resp- a financial response, a fiscal responsibility to pay them back their money. Just because it's not Uncle John doesn't demean the fact, it doesn't lower your responsibility to pay them back. I said, so you're okay borrowing money from a bank, knowing that you may not pay them back, but you're not okay borrowing it from a person. I said, doesn't that say something about your business plan? Like you're not, you should be okay with whoever you talk to. You're actually giving uncle John a better opportunity because he's getting a better return on the money because you're so secured and solid on the deal. I said, so maybe you really don't believe in the deal.
1: Right. That sounds like an insecurity for sure.
0: Exactly. And I said, you know, again, I'm a big believer you borrow money, that's great, but it's like giving a teenager the keys to a NASCAR. You know, it's, you know, you got to be careful what you're doing. If you're not fiscally responsible and you're not financially educated to see this through to the end, you shouldn't borrow it from a bank you shouldn't borrow it from a person. You shouldn't do anything until you take the pre-planning to figure out what does this look like when the business is done. And you said it very eloquently by having that, you know, that vision of really understanding that clear vision of how this business looks. And I don't think a lot of entrepreneurs, unfortunately, whether it's real estate or business owners do that first pre-work to get the right mindset and the right model to go after.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. I think it's, it is. It's that journey like we've talked about. And it's uh, it's all about that growth, that growth period. And where are you? Did you get did you get different mentorship that would catapult you into a different level of category than just someone who's just off the street that wants to start a business? You know, it's like, where are you, where you are? And then also what you said about the funding. And yeah, I I totally agree. If you're you're not confident in the deal or yourself you're going to have those doubts of like, can I pay it back or whatnot? And it's like, well, I'm going to do whatever it takes to pay this back. Even if it goes south, here's my plans, you know, to do it or whatnot. And, you know, it's like having those plans if if the worst case scenario were to play out. But then also with a, with a system like profit first, there's another, there's another bank account we like to open up in the real estate world, OPM, other people's money. Don't mingle that private money with your own money. Like, especially if it's specifically for a deal to rehab it or whatnot, like make sure that you are fiscally responsible, financially responsible with their money. And knowing like, this is the money I have to spend on the projects. This is the money over here and all those different accounts to actually run the business. That just gives you that clarity between the two. So it's like setting things like that up really help the business owner overcome the mental hurdle of what am I going to do with the money? Like I, it's, I'm going to take a hundred thousand dollars in for this rehab or whatever. And now it's all mingled with my money. I hope I you know, don't overspend. And then they end up spending some of that on operations. It's like, get a system in place. It'll give them more confidence too, as a business owner to take any type of money.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. All right. I got two last questions for you. Do it. First question. What do you want to be known for when this is all over? when they go david was awesome and this is what he did what in your mind what is that
1: at this point i would say i want to fundamentally change how business owners view their finances and i want to i want to usher in the movement of fractional leadership on teams of there's a lot of small business owners who have who have access that they don't even know about to part time or Not as, you know, not full time, high level CEOs, COOs, CFOs at a fraction of the cost and a fraction of the time, but still getting that knowledge of someone who's been where they are. So that's really what I want to usher in is changing the financial, you know, the financial conversations that business owners are having and giving them that confidence and also ushering in fractional leadership to help business owners get a much better head start and along their journey as well to help them level up to where they want to be.
0: Cool. I like it, man. I like it. All right. Final question for you. Yeah. If you could have a beer, wine, tequila, soda, whatever it is you do, if you could have that with anybody, real, fictionary, dead or alive, what, who would that be? And what would you want to talk to them about?
1: Okay. So growing up, I would have said my dad and he's still in the top running for that. He's one of my best friends. He's also very uh, business oriented as well too. So I learned a lot from him. I would want to say my wife as well too, because I absolutely love her. And she is my best friend, but as far as we'll, we'll go outside of family. Okay. Um, so I am very close with my family, but besides them, probably Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers from Mr. Rogers neighborhood. He's one of my role models for especially having a daughter now being kind, running a business, because all it is, is managing the emotions of the people that you are working with and making sure that we are on a team with the results and that everyone's moving in the same direction. And I would be, I would ask him, I would probably ask him a lot of questions of how he built the empire that he did, you know, and impacted, you know, like what were the, really the catalyst for, you know, the, the change that, that he took place inside of children's lives, which grew up to be adults and now have children of their own. And probably that would be one of mine because he's one of my biggest role models um, just for being a kind human being as well too.
0: Wow. Very cool. I like that. I haven't heard him before. I've heard a lot of, a lot of different people. I have not heard him. So that's good.
1: There you go. That's who I am.
0: David Richter. Thank you so much. Uh, If you've got uh, tell everyone how to find you, where you are, your book, that you've written so that people can dig into who you are and what you're doing, if you don't mind. The one stop
1: shop is simplecfosolutions.com. So simple CFO, like chief financial officer, solutions.com, simple solutions.com where you can find that's our services. We have a fractional CFO service, so part-time CFOs to help people on their teams. And that's what our service and product is. Then we also have the Profit First REI podcast. If you are a real estate investor and want to learn more about Profit First and that cash flow methodology as it relates to real estate investing specifically. Got a Facebook group as well there, a link to that. Then also the book that I wrote, Profit First for Real Estate Investing, there's a link there, or you could just find it on Amazon. And as of this recording right now, it's available for audiobook as well too on Audible. So you can go there and get the audio book because I know most business owners and real estate investors, entrepreneurs like listening to things, especially if you're listening to a podcast like you are right now, you're probably an audiobook reader as well too. So we've got it there.
0: That's awesome, man. That's awesome. David, thank you so much for taking the time to to be on the show with me and to help educate our listeners, because I think what you have to say is very, very vital. It's very important. And if you're not doing profit first now, hopefully after listening and watching David and reading his book and doing more, you will start because remember we're doing this to make a profit, to give ourselves a better lifestyle, to buy better memories. And that's really what this is about. In my opinion, We want better memories, and the money gives you the ability to do that, and David's book will give you the uh, blueprint to make that happen. So, David, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, Everybody watching, thanks for watching High Stakes with Steve Rosenberg. If you haven't, please make sure that you subscribe, watch, download, cherish, relish, do everything that you can. We will be back next week with more episodes from more people. Everyone, thanks for watching, and we'll see you next week. High Stakes with Steve Rosenberg. Bye-bye.